thank you. Uh, we'll uh, just do a little background while we're waiting for the breakfast line to, to, to finish up out there. I am in practice in Evansville, uh, about three hours south of here, and the practice consists of about 65% medical, about 25% aesthetic, and about 10% studies. And that's the 10% study part is why I think I was asked to do this today, because I have done the phase two and phase three study work on most of the acne products that are on the market. And those include uh, Acania, which is going to be the first product that we talk about this morning. Before we go through the slide deck, and we're, we're going to breeze through it uh, uh, so you can eat your breakfast uh, and we can let the rest of the people come in. Uh, before I talk about it, I want to give a little background about wh why, why there is an Acania. When they came to me for the, for the study about Acania, I always ask for a little bit about a background about what's, what's the product going to be about, why are, why are we doing it. And at that time, it was actually Dow that was doing the study. Dow was, has, has since been acquired by Valiant. And uh, the concept behind Acania was that although clindamycin benzoyl peroxide combination products had been um, a mainstay of topical therapy for a number of years before the Acania studies were done, that there had been a progression and improvement in the topicals. For those of you who go back far enough, it started as benzamycin, which is a, a benzoyl peroxide and erythromycin, and then uh, came out uh, benzoclin and DUAC. But the people at Dow felt that there needed to be a continued progression and improvement in uh, our ability to use uh, an antibiotic and a benzoyl peroxide combination product. So they, they felt like they could do better with the vehicle, and they also wanted to see if they could drop the benzoyl peroxide concentration from 5%, which is what was in the products up until that time, down to 2.5% and maintain efficacy. And we'll look at that in the slides and, and see if indeed they were able to uh, make the product tolerable and also keep the efficacy. Acania, contains uh, uh, clindamycin, and of course that's been a mainstay of the topicals since, since erythromycin um, developed sens uh, sensitivity issues, or developed uh, uh, resistance issues, uh, clindamycin has pretty much replaced that uh, in the marketplace. And fortunately, although um, there has been concern about clindamycin developing resistant issues, we're really not seeing much of that yet in, in the acne realm. It's nice, of course, that it's combined with the benzoyl peroxide, which tends to limit the ability of the P-acnes to become resistant. It's in 50-gram pump. It's uh, actually been shown to be effective against inflammatory and non-inflammatory lesions. So uh, the comatose, there were also reductions in comato counts. And all clindamycin products carry a warning about not using it in patients with inflammatory bowel disease. It is uh, indeed this unique 2.5% uh, 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 BPO formulation that was novel at the time we were doing the studies, and no one was sure if 2.5% benzoyl peroxide would maintain efficacy compared to the 5% products. Uh, we really do like the uh, BPO in there to, for the P acne's resistance issues. And for those of you who are not familiar with Dow, 
Dow is, in my opinion, the preeminent company about coming up with vehicles. They came up with uh, the Ziana vehicle, which lowered the, the uh, which came up with the lowest uh, incidence of irritation of any uh, 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 retinoid prescription retinoid product that that uh, had, had been before the Ziana studies were done. They also came out with a vehicle for Clobex spray. They've been really instrumental in uh, helping with novel vehicles. Uh, Valiant has a, a topical onychomycosis product coming to market this summer, and Dow also worked with the vehicle with that to help the antifungal penetrate into the nail. So Dow is the, is the big player in vehicles, and uh, it, it was no surprise to me that they were going to try and improve the tolerability when, uh, when they um, tried to improve the clindamycin BPO um, product. The vehicle was, was again designed for, for, um, for good delivery uh, to, to the follicle and uh, also make sure that the products were stable through the shelf life of the product. The, uh, the way that these work is the clindamycin disrupts the protein synthesis of bacteria and benzoyl peroxide is bactericidal against P. acnes. And you might ask, since they both go after P. acnes, unlike other uh, combination products that have a, a retinoid and a, and a BPO or uh, other, other agents, is it necessary to have both a clindamycin and a BPO? We certainly know that it has the combination to, uh, has the potential to decrease uh, resistance and theoretically should, but do you need both of them for efficacy? I do want to point out that, that um, 90% of the benzoyl peroxide particles are small enough to fit into the follicle. And that can be a problem with benzoyl peroxide formulations. If the particles are too big and they're just sitting on the surface, they're not going to get into the follicle and you're not going to get the um, P. acnes reduction. And we'll, see, we'll look at the data in a minute and see if indeed this uh, theoretical uh, uh, small size particle translated into good efficacy. When Dow looked at, and uh, now um, Valiant, Dow Valiant, looked at uh, the BPO uh, concentration, the MIC, the minimum inhibitory concentration to affect P. acnes is here, and the benzoyl peroxide level in a canya is here. So theoretically, Dow and now Dow Valiant felt that um, there was no reason why we still needed 5% benzoyl peroxide in a clindamycin benzoyl peroxide product, and that really all you were probably getting out of that was unnecessary irritation. So let's look at the efficacy and see if, if um, the idea behind the product actually worked. We had um, phase three pivotal studies and they had, as usual, two identical um, placebo-controlled, double-blinded studies uh, to look at the efficacy. And the entry criteria were pretty much the same for every acne study I do. You had to have a certain number of inflammatory lesions, a certain number of non-inflammatory lesions, uh, not, not nodulocystic acne. And... Uh, they looked at the change in the number of inflammatory and non-inflammatory lesions, and also um, a treatment success was a two-grade improvement. Demographics were well-matched between uh, the different groups. And the setup, which is 
uh, good to understand is they did a Kenya in some patients, clindamycin in some patients in the same vehicle, benzoyl peroxide in some patients in the same vehicle, and then just the vehicle. And the reason it's set up this way is if you're going to market a combination product, the FDA wants to see that the combination works better than any of the individual excipients alone. Because if it didn't, why would you have a combination product? You would just, you would just um, stay with the, the um, single therapy agent. So they really needed to see that this arm did better than any of the other three arms. And indeed, they saw a significant decrease in uh, lesion counts. And when you look at the, the Acania is in the green over here. Indeed, the Acania did better than the individual excipients, did better than the clindamycin, did better than the benzoyl peroxide, and, uh, and all of them, of course, did better than the placebo. So the concept behind the product indeed was borne out in the clinical studies, that when you put the two together, they did better than, than either alone, and decreasing the benzoyl peroxide to 2.5% did not appear to, um, to lower the efficacy. That's what we expect from looking at the minimum inhibitory concentrations. But indeed, it did not uh, uh, lower the efficacy, and you were still able to show uh, that it was better than the clindamycin or the benzoyl peroxide alone. So the uh, market sense, I think, has changed, and we've realized that you don't need uh, to a large amount of benzoyl peroxide to do what we want to do with it. That we, and we want to limit irritation because, after all, that's benzoyl peroxide's uh, Achilles heel, that if you, uh, if you put the concentrations too high or not in a sophisticated vehicle, you end up with irritation and you end up with patients saying they're allergic to it, which, although benzoyl peroxide allergy has been described, it's, it's unusual most intolerance to benzoyl peroxide is just that intolerance and not true allergy. So here we are with the two great improvement. And again, the Acania did better than either of the other excipients. And these are um, the percentage of people that are clear, almost clear. So it was a very effective product. We'll look at everybody likes pictures. Here's some before and afters, Acania gel uh, at the beginning and at 12 weeks. Again, a patient with skin of color. Uh, nice improvement at week 12, and already starting to see the um, post-inflammatory pigmentation and the residual erythema fading nicely at 12 weeks. Of course, in the studies, we don't count. If there's a little bit of, of um, macular erythema left, that doesn't count. That's sort of a shadow that we, that we, uh, that we, would, that we would still count that patient as, as clear or almost clear. So in summary... Um, the concept worked. You can lower benzoyl peroxide concentration, and between that and making the vehicle sophisticated, you can keep keep um, keep a clindamycin benzoyl peroxide uh, combination product uh, available for patients in a form that's not likely to irritate. I'd like to comment also about the, the relevance of clindamycin and benzoyl peroxide in the marketplace. You know, we have lots of other things in the market now. I've done studies on many of them. And when new things come out, we're all going to try them. But I come back to a clindamycin benzoyl peroxide combination product and generally a canyon because of the 2.5% benzoyl peroxide. And the reason I come back to it is because um, 
you need to be killing and inhibiting P acnes if you're going to effectively treat acne. If you're not doing that, you're, you're, you're going to have a hard time improving uh, patients significantly. The reason I like this, this combination is that these two products, do, you do not need to vary the concentrations of them. We do not go up on the concentration of clindamycin in products. I've just shown you we don't need to go up on the benzoyl peroxide concentration above 2.5%. But what we do need to vary sometimes, in fact frequently, is the retinoid concentration. And as you know, there's multiple different uh, retinoids. Valine has the, uh, the retin micro in two concentrations, and we have adapalene and tazeratine. But uh, when we need to make changes, uh, we often need to make changes in the potency of the retinoid. Sometimes we start low with a, with a lower concentration, and then if there's still comedonal lesions or, or um, still some inflammatory lesions, we'll go up. So the reason I like this is because you start with this combination. You don't need to vary the concentration of these two. And then if a patient comes back and they're better but not better enough, you can play with the retinoid and the concentration of retinoid and make changes in their topical therapy to optimize it. So um, some of the other combination products have a fixed retinoid in there. And although certainly those have a place in some patients, that fixed retinoid in there, you really, if they come back, you don't you have a harder time tweaking their therapy because you already have your benzoyl peroxide or clindamycin mixed in with your retinoid. So this one, you can do this. You can stay with this. You can play with your retinoid concentration. And certainly you can add other topical agents to this combination if the patient needs it, such as topical dapsone. The uh, irritation, uh, we've seen that it's efficacious, but I, we do need to go through quickly the, the, uh, the, effic- the, the uh, tolerability evaluations because the idea behind the 2.5% is that it's tolerable. The application site reactions were rare, uh, and in general, I'll just summarize and say, this, the, the tolerability data was very good, and Dow, now Dow Valiant's idea about that we could um, have very low uh, t- uh, irritation rates with 2.5% benzoyl peroxide was borne out. I think we all know that a 2.5% benzoyl peroxide is going to be less irritating than a 5%, but it was borne out in the studies, and in fact, the data were quite good. And here's just some, uh, some uh, erythema and scaling. Uh, the erythema is hard to know what to make of it because a lot of people were rated as having erythema at the beginning of the study. Um, whether they were looking at lesional erythema or some residual irritation from past product use, I don't know. But the, the scaling, I think, is a good one to look at. And uh, you can see that um, you get a, maybe get a little blip at week four, but by week 12, you're, you're way down again. Stinging, burning, itching, also uh, very nice tolerability. And uh, again, the... Uh, the percentage of patients who had, when they, did, when they did have reactions, they were mostly mild and did not require the patients to discontinue therapy. Discontinuing rate, discontinuation rates were low. And so to summarize, again, we've, we've talked about it. The, the idea behind it was that, that you could have your cake and eat it too. You could keep the efficacy but lower the irritation. And I think uh, the data bear that out. And, and this remains a mainstay of, of 
therapy for topical acne, topical therapy for acne. I want to talk a little bit about access to therapy because just because we think a product is good anymore doesn't mean our patients can get it. We have blocks by insurance companies wanting to deny therapy that we want to give our patients, and we have blocks at the pharmacy where the pharmacists are incentivized to try and take what we want for our patients and genericize it and, and push, and push uh, 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 the generic on the patient, uh, either telling them that, that the product isn't available or that the copay is too high or the card won't work, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we, we've, got some, we've got some issues and we've got phone calls that come from these issues. Pre-authorization, step edits, the staff has to spend time on this multiple faxes from pharmacies about that the patient can't get their product, that they need prior authorization. And it does become uh, a problem. Even when we want a nice branded product like a Kenya, it becomes a problem, and there can be a temptation to throw in the towel and just go with whatever the, the pharmacist or the insurance company wants just to get on with the day. But in the end, that may not serve our patients well. A Kenya uh, access passport uh, is a program that is going to help you and is helping you to get a Kenya. And there is a, uh, a mail order uh, company called Philidor, a specialty pharmacy. And it's available now in about 18 states. It is available here in Indiana. And I do want to go over this just a little bit because by the end of the year, they're hoping that it will be essentially in all 50 states. So if you don't have it yet, it will be coming soon. If it's, I'm going to go through this um, piece by piece. If, if, it indeed, if you give the patient their Acania card, they can go to the pharmacy and get it covered, that's fine. You can still do that. And actually, this Relay Health is a company that helps to uh, have a large percentage of pay, uh, a good percentage of patients able to go to the pharmacy, have the copay bought down so that the card will work at the pharmacy. You can also, in the 18 states that have Philidor, even if a patient uh, can go to the pharmacy, if you want, you can uh, send the, the uh, prescription to Philidor and, and still have it filled that way. But Philidor's strong suit is over here. If the if the, if the Acania prescription is not covered, then you can go to uh, sending the prescription to Philidor, and they will fill the prescription for the patient sent uh, in three business days to the patient, and so the patient is not waiting for their prescription, and basically it bypasses the snafus at the pharmacy and all the snafus with the insurance companies wanting to deny what we want to give to our, to our patients. And I, I thank uh, Valiant for uh, continuing to evolve these ways of us helping us to get what we want for our patients. One of the frustrations with practices that I've seen since, since I've been in practice for 31 years is in the good old days, you just gave a patient a prescription. They went to the pharmacy, and they filled it. And, and that just doesn't happen often enough anymore. And it is one, I think, one of the big frustrations about practicing is that uh, it gets tiresome after all of the education that we've all done to have a, an insurance company or a pharmacist really want to usurp our role in caring for our patients. And uh, Valiant is uh, really helping us with this program to 
give us the power back and let us decide what's best for our patients. And if we want them to get a Kenya, then they can get a Kenya. So uh, if it's not covered, we'll talk a little bit about how to do the Philidor. Uh, and for those of you already using it, it's working wonderfully. I am the number one user of Philidor in Indiana. And the reason I am is because it, it just makes life easier uh, about not getting the phone calls and the faxes and gets the patients the products that I want them to get. Uh, um, and you give them the card, and, and there's a few things they have to do to, to, uh, to talk with Philidor to get it, give them their payment information. The other really interesting thing is that there's a cash option for uh, Philidor. If the patient does not have prescription benefits, if the patient does not have acne prescription benefits, or even if the patient is a government-insured patient but chooses not to use their government insurance, uh, they can use this as a cash pay, and they can get a Kenya for $75. And before these programs came out, cash pay patients, uninsured patients, patients without, without a prescription benefits for acne were basically out of luck. And even if you wanted them to get a Kenya, it was difficult. This, this really solves that problem. Uh, again, with safety, we've gone over the safety information. These are the standard things for clindamycin and benzoyl peroxide. Uh, again, the big one, I think, is if they have uh, inflammatory bowel disease, I would likely not choose a clindamycin-based product, either topically or, or, or certainly orally, for, for that patient. And if patients have a history of intolerance to benzoyl peroxide, you have to do it carefully. However, if it was a 5% benzoyl peroxide, you certainly have samples of the 2.5%. Many patients, it's simply a matter of that the, the concentration was too high for them. And also, this is a more sophisticated uh, vehicle, in my opinion. And again, you don't, you, uh, you don't give it to, uh, to pregnant or nursing women, and you're careful about putting it around the eyes, all the standard warnings. So um, in summary, uh, if, you, if, you, uh, are, are going to, if you have Philidor or you're going to get Philidor, uh, they, you can fax the, farm, the, the prescription into Philidor. You can e-scribe it. Then you give the patient the card. The patient is give, gets their information together. They call. They give them their demographics and their payment, um, how they're going to choose to pay their $35 copay or, in the case, case of the cash, the $75, and they get it in three days. They do all the prior authorizations. If uh, a prior authorization is needed for the product, they handle it, and they will fa if they need any information from you, they'll send it back. It's essentially all filled out. You can just put down they failed, whatever else they failed in the past, send it back to them. But the point is the patient's not waiting for the prescription. If, if the prior authorization is needed, the patient gives them their information. You give them samples for the three days while they're waiting for their drug. They've got drug right away, and you're not getting phone calls from the patient saying, you know, what's going on with this prior authorization? I came in there to get better, and I'm not getting better because I don't have any drug. And the patients uh, are highly satisfied with this because they get their medicine, and Philidor deals with the prior authorizations with a, with a little help from us if we need it. But we're under no time constraints to fill it out. In other words, you're not getting phone calls saying, you've got to do it right now. I need my medicine right now. Are you going to get it done by 5 o'clock? The Philidor ones, when they come back, can be done at the staff's leisure. So it has really simplified my practice. And I, I encourage those of you who are in Philidor states to try it if you've not. And those of you who are going to get it, 
uh, you will like it. Because how can you not like a program that's going to allow you to get what you want for the patient? All right. Uh, I will, be, I will uh, uh, take questions at the end, and I'll be around afterwards for questions. But we're going we're gonna, to um, talk briefly about Celadine in the, in the five or ten minutes I have left. Celadine is a product that's near and dear to my heart. I did not do the studies for it, but, but uh, Medicis uh, came to me when they had the idea for um, Celadine and, and asked my opinion about it. I did some consulting for them on it. I thought that the science of it was extremely interesting. I had my doubts about whether the insurance companies would actually pay for a branded minocycline. But what I didn't know is that Medicis and now Valiant would be so creative and ingenious about giving us ways to give patients access to branded products. I want to give you a little background about why Celadon came to be. For those of you who go back far enough, uh, there was a product called Dynasyn that Medicis had. And interestingly, Medicis kept getting reports, and I actually had patients who could take Dynasyn but could not take generic minocycline. And I didn't understand that at first, but after I was educated to the fact that Dynasyn was somewhat more slowly absorbed than generic, minis, uh, than generic minocycline, which is essentially 100% absorbed immediately, um, then I began to understand it because generic minocycline basically gives uh, a brain bolus of minocycline to the brain. Minocycline is very lipid soluble, which is why it is so good at treating acne because it gets into the sebaceous gland. But the brain is mostly fat, so you get a, a brain bolus if you give <clears throat> a generic minocycline. And that's why a number of patients um, can't take generic minocycline, at least on a, on a long term or even an intermittent basis, because they get central nervous system side effects. And those include dizziness, nausea, and basically, if you've ever taken minocycline, generic minocycline, and paid attention, a, a large percentage of people at least get mild vestibular side effects. And, and I do when I take generic minocycline. And I will tell you it feels pretty much like a hangover, which I hope not too many of you have after last, last, last night's celebration. But um, vestibular side effects, you know, nausea, headache, uh, just feel malaise. It's kind of like a hangover. So... Dynasyn, uh, a number of patients could take that because it was, it was absorbed more slowly. So Medicis decided, let's make a really extended uh, release minocycline. And uh, that's how Solidine came to be. And that's really the reason for its existence. Is the theory was that you could lower side effects and maintain efficacy. And as we'll see, they found out a couple other things as they went through the studies, which surprised me as an investigator and surprised medicists to the very highest levels of the company at that point in time about some things they found when they actually did the studies. Because medicists and now Valiant, it's the only company that has actually done a, a study to lead to FDA approval for an oral antibiotic. Solodine is the only FDA approved oral antibiotic for acne. All of the others, everything in the doxycycline family, is listed as a helpful adjunct, but the studies have not been done really about efficacy, nor have there been any studies really about the proper dose. And everybody doses those other things 
all over the map because nobody knows what the right dose is, in my opinion. And we do know with Solidinus, we'll see. This is for patients 12 and older. Uh, and uh, it, although it says it didn't have effect on non-inflammatory lesions, certainly if a smaller inflammatory lesion gets smaller, uh, uh, it, uh, some, some non-inflammatory lesions still have an inflammatory component. And certainly the number in my, in my site, the number of non-inflammatory lesions went down as well. If you can't see it anymore, then it's, it's going to go down. Again, the most common side effects reported uh, are um, headache, fatigue, dizziness, uh, and those three are all vestibular side effects. But as we'll see, the incidence of those between, uh, uh, in this study were, um, were uh, low, and uh, that was the whole idea behind it, that it would be not high like it is with gen generic minocycline. Before going on to, uh, to start this uh, these studies, they actually looked at almost 100% of patients. If you do enough sophisticated things, if you worm around in chairs, you can, make, you can show vestibular side effects on essentially 100% of people for the first three to five days of generic minocycline therapy. This, the standard, these are standard minocycline uh, side effect things. We don't give them to pregnant women. We don't give them to children under eight and probably not even under 10 or 11. And uh, allergic reactions certainly can occur. I want to go through, um, go through the, the, the uh, important points here since, since we're covering two products in one talk. Uh, this is a standard algorithm, and notice that for moderate and severe acne, oral antibiotic therapy is listed as a, as a, as a, as a mainstay of therapy. This is, this is the key slide in, in, in the, this uh, slide deck, in my opinion. This blue and this green are solidine, the gray and the black are generic minocycline. And what you'll notice is that the levels are steady state and lower by seven days, and they're significantly higher and still going up at seven days for generic minocycline. And what I call these two um, are basically uh, overdosing an acne patient on minocycline. If you're treating an infection, like MRSA, with, with minocycline, you want these levels because you want high serum levels, but those levels are going to be driven because those levels are going to be driven into all the tissues. That means they're going to be driven into the gastrointestinal tract, the vagina, and areas where you really don't want high minocycline levels. You don't want to adversely affect the normal flora in those areas. And it turns out that that um, these low doses are very adequate to treat or acne and actually optimal. So if you're treating an infection, this is the right pharmacokinetics. If you're treating acne, this is the right pharmacokinetics. So um, when we, um, when we are, sometimes are forced to use generic uh, uh, minocycline for acne, we're getting levels that are going to drive the drug into colon and vagina, and that leads to gastrointestinal problems, vaginal yeast infections. And those are certainly things we don't want when we have patients on longer-term therapy. The pharmacokinetics we've looked at. I want to I want to go to one more, a couple more important slides here before before we finish up. The it certainly worked uh, better than than uh, than uh, the placebo. But the important point here is the one milligram per kilogram worked actually a little better than the two or three milligrams per kilogram. This was a shock 
to me and to pretty much everybody at Metasys because uh, we had all been using minocycline 200 a day, maybe tapering to 100 a day. And for this, the average size patient, you're, you're at somewhere around you know, 55 to 80 milligrams uh, of, of, of solodine. So these were doses that very few people were using at that point in time. So for this particular pharmacokinetic, pharmacokinetic form of, of minocycline, solodine, you can, one milligram per kilogram is as good as it gets. You don't need to go higher. Uh, it certainly worked. The, uh, we, we know minocycline works. We know solodine works. The, the higher efficacy is not the reason for, for um, solodine coming into existence. It's safety and tolerability over the long haul. Now, we just saw that one milligram per kilogram was the right dose for efficacy, but when you, when you look, one milligram per kilogram also is the perfect dose for safety because only uh, uh, at the incidence of uh, side effects was, uh, was uh, 10% in the one milligram per kilogram. <clears throat> it went up in tw- to... Uh, 24 and 28% in the 2 and 3 milligrams per kilogram. And actually, the percentage of, of adverse events was lower in the 1 milligram per kilogram group than, than the placebo. So um, that tells us that that is the right, the right dose. And I call this the perfect storm. Not only is 1 milligram per kilogram the right dose for efficacy, it's the right dose for safety. So I, I very much stick to the 1 milligram per kilogram dosing uh, because some of these patients are going to be on solidine for a while. Tolerability was excellent, essentially uh, similar to placebo. And uh, we now have five doses that cover all the weight ranges. So these, these charts are available. You just dose it by their weight. This slide is, is comparing it to doxycycline and generic minocycline. What I, what I, I will just summarize this slide to say that minocycline, when you look at MICs, when you look at how effective it, it is at killing Piacnes, minocycline is about 10 times, if you look at MICs, as effective at killing piacnes as doxycycline. And doxycycline is significantly more effective than tetracycline, which is not that available anymore. So that's the reason Metasys chose minocycline for solodine, is that um, it's so much more effective at killing piacnes. It also can be dosed once a day. Uh, It it, it can be taken without effect. uh, food. You can tell the patients they can eat it with a meal. You can eat it with a breakfast like you all are having, or, or your acne patients can have it on an empty stomach. And really, although this, this slide says that doxycycline does not have food effects, I don't really know why they put that in here. Um, the, one of the branded doxycyclines in their, uh, in their um, package insert says that if you take it with food, it's, 20, it's decreased by 24%. And one of the branded minocyclines, it's decreased by 11%. So in my opinion, solodine is the only acne medication that you can truly tell patients they can take without regard to meals. And I, I think these, these, should, these should not be here uh, uh, based on the literature. So uh, since, it's the mo- since minocycline is the most effective uh, in the group for treating acne, and since we now have a form that can keep this at one milligram per kilogram that keeps the side effects similar to placebo, um, this drug is, for me, an acne-perfect storm. Summary, low steady-state levels. And I, and I tell uh, my um, uh, uh, mid-level, I had, I had a 
mid-level for nine years. Um, when we are treating an infection, if they have MRSA, you don't use solidine. You use, you, if you want to treat, you'd use, you use full doses of doxycycline or minocycline if you're going to use this group because you want the high serum levels. But if you're treating acne, you don't overdose them with 100 BID of minocycline or even 100 a day. It's not needed. It's just going to drive the drug into tissues that you don't want. The, the sebaceous glands are so lipophilic, they'll just suck that minocycline out of the low levels. You get very nice levels in the, in the, uh, in the follicle, and you, don't, you just don't need, you don't need those kinds of doses. I do, I do want to go over, the, again, the Philidor. Uh, again, you've seen this slide. The, really, the only difference is uh, over here. If it's covered at the retail, you still give them the card. They go. They get it for their $35 copay. Uh, or you can, just, you can use Philidor, uh, even for patients who have coverage at the pharmacy, if they just want to bypass the pharmacy, if they don't want to hear the pharmacist harp on them about you know, how, much, how much this costs and try and change them to generic. If you just want to bypass the pharmacy, and sometimes that's tempting when we get those phone calls from the pharmacy where they just don't want to make the cards work or are, are trying to make their $10 incentive for, um, for switching over to the generic. So you can go straight to Philidor there. If it's not covered, you know it's not covered or it's not been covered in the past, you go straight to Philidor, uh, uh, you e-scribe it or fax it, they get it for the $35, they get it in three days, you give them three days worth of samples, you're done. You might, ha you might or might not have to do a brief um, prior authorization form later, but the patient's not waiting for the drugs. And in this case, the difference here is that the cash price for Solodyne is $50. So even if the patient does not have prescription benefits, does not have a fracne, or chooses not to use their government insurance, they can use this cash option for, for $50, which, again, I thank Valiant for coming up with a program that allows us to get this cutting-edge uh, oral antibiotic, the only one FDA approved for acne, allowing us to get it for really all three of these kinds of patients, the ones that are covered, the ones that are not covered, and the ones that have to go cash. It's easy to, and the, the, I found the Philidor very easy to do, and my staff loves it. And again, I told you I'm the number one uh, user of Philidor in Indiana. Um, for us, you prescribe it, either fax it or, or e-scribe it. Uh, you give the patient the card, uh, and uh, if you need to later, you'll get faxed if there's any information they need to complete the prior authorization. But they will do it. You don't have to. For the patient, uh, you uh, get them prepared, tell them what they'll need, uh, their insurance information, their ID, uh, what their copay will be. They call, they give them their payment information, they get their medicine in three days, and they're set up for, um, for um, uh, refill calls uh, for as many refills as, as you uh, choose to put on there until their next appointment. It has simplified my life, and that's one of the reasons they asked me to come and talk about it. Uh, and I hope that all of you who don't have Philidor will, will get it soon in your state so that uh, for, for uh, uh, Valiant products that you can, when you think they're the right thing for your patient, you can get it and you can get it in a, in a hassle-free way. And so there's, there's just the summary of how it works. So predictable access to the products, hassle-free, three days. And again, since, since it's a Valiant product, 
you've got samples. So you've got the samples for three days. So the patients can get started right away and have uninterrupted therapy. Thank you very much for your attention and, and uh, thanks for the uh, invitation to come.